let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into our study today. Today we are going to be in Joshua chapter 1 and Joshua chapter 3. Um, I'm taking a little break from Romans, just um, been praying and thinking through um, kind of where God's leading us as a fellowship physically, and um, uh, Joshua kind of came up for as some encouragement to me this week personally, and um, just uh, wrestling with the Lord about what He wants to speak to us as a fellowship. I kind of landed here, and so that's where we're at today. So let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word that it never turns back void. I ask God that you would remove me, Lord, get me out of the way. Thank you so much, God, for what you're doing. Lord, and again, we lift up Israel to you. Lord, we just ask that you would show us how to pray, show us how to operate. And Jesus, um, just uh, build in us the character that's needed so that we can live for you, Lord, on a daily basis, God. Just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I made reference to Ezekiel and Isaiah. So Ezekiel chapter 38 speaks of a battle that happens um, against Israel. If you want to take time to read through that and study it, um, it might be an enlightening thing for you over the next couple of weeks. Um, And so, uh, you know, We'll see what happens, you know, with, with uh, it, what's going on with Israel. They definitely are going to retaliate. They are very clear about it. They're, um, per, they're saving their borders right now, tidying all that up. It's an active war going on. Um, and it's interesting, you know, uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Israel is a... a a world player in regards to the economy in the world, and um, it is a place on the map that we're to look at to gauge really what's going on. God's Word says that there will be wars and rumors of wars, uh, end times. Um, before end times, we'll have birth pains. There will be things that happening all over the world. Um, there are prophecies and things that have been happening um, a lot over the last couple of years. Um, and so this uh, one thing that's interesting in Ezekiel 38 is it says that, you know, that God's people, Israel, will be it, caught off guard. And so that's one statement that's been presented in the news that they were caught off guard by this. And so um, I'm not saying that this is the, you know, war that's happening in Ezekiel 38 at all, but it is possible that it's preparation for those things. And and, you know, it's things like this take time for stuff to unfold. I mean, it's just not all of a sudden going to go off like a box of fireworks, you know. There's a, lot of pe- there's a lot of players involved with Israel on a world scale. And so what that should do for us as Christians, this isn't in my notes, I just want to encourage you guys. What that f- should do for us as believers in Jesus Christ, it should cause us to pray more. It should cause us to be more vigilant in regards to our relationship with Jesus. And it should cause us to be praying for opportunity for us to share the gospel with others because Jesus is coming soon. Yes, um, our, our, our future is not guaranteed. We don't know when we'll be called away from the earth. And as a Christian, God has gifted all of you with the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit and a relationship with him. And so we're to be praying and asking the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to be used? Um, and so you hear that from me a lot. I really believe that it's my vision and goal is to encourage everybody that I come in contact with that, hey, God has gifted you if you're saved. God has gifted you with an opportunity to share your faith with others, in whatever context that is. And so when we see things like this happening in the world, it should say, okay, Lord, um, you're, you're calling me to do this, and I put it on hold for a while. Maybe now it's time to actually take steps of doing those things. So anyway, so uh, the title of today's message is Keep Your Eyes on Jesus. This was a, a, a photo of the Jordan River um, in Joshua um, chapter 1 through 5, 4-ish. Um, there is, uh, we're going to skip Joshua chapter uh, 2 today. I'm not going to read in the account of that. That's the account of Rahab, uh, which is an awesome account. I, I encourage you, read through Joshua. It's, it's, a, it's a great a great, great book. But um, let's go ahead and uh, read the word. If you want to stand with me, we'll read through these verses together. Um, you do not have to read them out loud if you don't want to. 
And uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We have a limited edition of Bibles right now. Not limited edition, a limited number. But let's stand and read the word out of reverence to the Lord. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9 is what we'll read first. And then we will skip to Joshua 3, 1 through 17. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, <clears throat> excuse me, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for, it, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but, shall, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before." And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come <clears throat> to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites and the and the and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, be, now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord. The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand in a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeraton. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah and the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. 
Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. You may be seated. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you have a plan. Thank you, Lord, that you teach us through your word, your faithfulness. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to keep our eyes upon you. And just may you have your way, Lord, today and with our, in our hearts, Lord, as we worship you through the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So <clears throat> this is a very pivotal point for the Israelites. If you go through the Old Testament and you get to this point, um, the Israelites had already been uh, set free from Egypt. They'd already gone through the Red Sea. Um, Moses had already gone through the 40 years in the desert with them. Um, we know that um, they were at the cusp of the promised land when the 12 spies had gone out to the promised land. They came back. Ten of them gave a bad report. Two of them gave a good report. Joshua was one of them that gave a good report. And we see here that when they disbelieved God's provision, God took them out for 40 years so that that whole generation would die because they disbelieved God. God's very serious about trusting him in his word and, be, and he's serious about um, his relationship with his people. And so now, and, and Moses, unfortunately, dis, didn't operate the way God asked him to while taking care of the, 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 the people of Israel for water. And, and so he actually couldn't come into the promised land either. He was stood on a mountain so that he could see the promised land. This is after Moses passed away. Joshua was actually Moses's apprentice. So he grew up under Moses's tutelage, knowing how God used Moses. And so Joshua now is the Israelites spokesman or leader or God's voice in their life. Moses was God's voice to the Israelites. And so now Joshua is being placed in the same position as Moses over the Israelites. And so now we see in Joshua 1 through 9, we see that um, that Moses had passed. The Lord spoke to Joshua. We see that he was his assistant. We see in verses two through four in Joshua chapter one that Moses had passed away. Uh, it was now time for God's people to pass into the promised land. Um, and, 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 and what's interesting is that man may have failed, okay? The 40 years in the wilderness but Moses not being able to enter into the promised land, Moses even failed as a leader. He really did. By God's grace, he let Moses see the promised land, but he couldn't enter in. Yet we see here God being faithful to his promise. God is faithful. Where we see here, um, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise in verse two, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So, so he had, he had, he, 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 he God's promises are great. Um, it, it's amazing how even though the Israelites and even Moses being this great leader had, had, had failed, God still is faithful to his promises. So even when we fail or leaders in our lives that we look up to fail, that does not constitute God's failure. I am not God. I am a man. You are not God. You are a human being. I may be the person God's asked to lead this ministry, but I'm going to make failures. And my eyes need to be on Jesus, and so do yours. A lot of times in churches and ministry and our, 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 our service in the Lord, and we, we, we become part of a church family, we can put our eyes on the leader and not Jesus. I have done that, and when that happens, they, th my expectations are broken, and then I become a mess because my eyes aren't on Jesus. So we always have to make sure that we keep our eyes on Jesus. God is faithful. And, and you hear me say God and Jesus, but they're one. So I, I mince those together. They don't mind, I don't think, you know. And so we see here, though, in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Joshua, where it says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. So God is speaking into Joshua's life. It says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So the Lord is speaking into Joshua's life encouragement. 
That's as God was with Moses, so he will be with Joshua, also stating how he being God will not leave him nor forsake him. Yes, this was God speaking to Joshua specifically to encourage him because God knew what Joshua would have to go through as a leader. But we can take and look at this knowing that God's word is applicable to us as well. And God can speak to us through his word and say that he will not leave us nor forsake us either. God's not leaving us or forsaking us. He needs to be our hope. And we see here, God continues speaking to him, be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Again, we see God speaking to him and, 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 and speaking about the promise that he had sworn to the fathers. I'm so glad that, was that the speakers? That was interesting. Wow. Did you guys do something over there? Huh? Oh my goodness. No, we don't want to reaffirm our ears with you guys out there with that. That's too much. <clears throat> so it's fascinating though that God is, he's always faithful, you know, and, and, and we see here that, that the Lord tells Joshua to be strong and, of, and good courage. And we see in seven, only be strong and very create, courageous. It's, it's amazing how that, that the Lord spoke so much encouragement to Joshua in these first verses of Joshua chapter one. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and very courageous. It's amazing that God can speak that to us through his word today. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Now it's interesting though too, is that this strength and this courage, it's not about man's strength or man's courage. See, when we are operating as Christians, we live in a supernatural realm, believe it or not. God's word says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities, okay? There is definitely an evil force that's against us spiritually. And there was an evil force that was against the Israelites spiritually. We know all throughout the history of the Israelites that they would, I mean, God used this term that when they were supposed to stay separate from people, they would bind themselves to them instead. And in, my, um, in, one, of, in, in one of my translations, it says that, the, that God's people would whore with their enemies. They would, they would choose to bind themselves to them. And so we know that even in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are not to bind ourselves to the things of this world. We're not to present ourselves to the world and say, hey, I wanna do what you're doing or I wanna be accepted by you. And so whenever God calls us and he does every day to stand firm in our belief in who we are in Christ and what the word of God says, we need to know that the Lord is telling us, be strong and of good courage that he's not gonna leave us nor forsake us. But it's the courage and strength comes from the Lord. Because see, we see in verse six, what, the Lord's saying to him, be strong and of good courage for this, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. It's almost like the Lord saying, hey, rely upon me because the task at hand is greater than what you can accomplish on your own. Joshua is to be strong and of good courage, not because of his own strength and courage, but because of God's faithfulness in doing what he said he would do. God's not telling Joshua, hey, you're gonna have to figure out how to divide this up. He's saying, this is going to happen. The land will be divided the way I have chosen it to be divided. My promises to my people for this territory is going to happen. We see in seven, like I had mentioned, only be strong and very courageous. And that's interesting what the next portion of the verse says, that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper everywhere you go. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe, there's that word observe again, to do according to all that is written in it. It's interesting that we see observe to do according to, and then we see observe to do according to 
again. Uh, it, 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 it brings into perspective the reality that God is telling Joshua, you need to have my word in you all the time. It needs to be in your mouth. It needs to be in your mind. It needs to be in you. You need to, that word observe, okay? Um, look at what these verses are saying. Observe to do according to all the law. This word observe here is a statement, listen, of being very careful. That word observe in the context is saying, be very careful. In other words, be very careful to do what the law of God says. Be very careful to do according to all that is written in this book. See, we didn't, they didn't have this back then, the canon. They had the Pentateuch. They had the Old Testament. They had the law that Moses had written out, and it was God's word. And so for us today, we can apply this to our lives and say, church, be very careful that you take heed what this is saying. God's telling Joshua that you need to observe what the law is. You need to observe what is written in it. And it's fascinating in, 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 in verse seven where it says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. I love when God says this in his word, it means that there's actually the possibility of being able to turn away. So God's reminding Joshua and today reminding us, don't turn away from me. Don't turn away from the word. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on my promises. Keep your eyes on who you are in Jesus. Do not turn from the right or to the left. Do not veer off course. And there's a blessing in the obedience of God. Where it says here um, that you may prosper wherever you go. This isn't a financial statement, okay? Um, this isn't, uh, you know, saying that, you know, if you observe everything God does, your bank account's going to get huge. No, that's a false doctrine. But we're to not turn from the word of God. We're not to veer off course. There's blessings in being obedient to his word. This, where we see in verse eight, um, this is an act of making God's word part of your life in such a way so that you are thinking about it, pondering it, speaking it, memorizing it. God was saying to Joshua that if you dedicate your thinking and your pondering in your mind to my word, then you will see success in the things that I have set before you to do. See, a lot of times we think, oh, I have these plans and I'm following God's word, so God needs to bless my plans. That's not what this is saying. What this is not saying is that if you meditate on God's word and give it place in your life and memorize it, that anything you set out to do will prosper. That would be a false doctrine and be called a prosperity doctrine. It's not biblical. See, we have to take into context, who was Joshua? Joshua was God's man. He was God's leader. God had a plan for him. He was following God. He was already following God with Moses. He was dedicated to God. He was living his life according to God in every aspect of his life. And so what God was doing was encouraging him and saying, hey, stick to my word and the plans that I have for you that you are going to follow will actually succeed. Think about it, Joshua being with the spies, he experienced his people failing. And maybe we've experienced that as well. And usually in our life, when God calls us to do something and it doesn't go the way the Lord has laid it out for us, it's usually because we have toppled God off of his throne and replaced his word with some other context of thinking. In the life of this ministry right now, I am striving to be extremely sensitive to God's leading. And like I said last week, be praying for the leadership in this fellowship. 
This isn't about me leading it. This is about us as a fellowship moving forward to where God wants us to be to expand his footprint in all of Hearst. And I feel like Joshua at this river, they're at the Jordan. It's overflowing with water. It's 100 feet wide historically and probably 16 plus feet deep. And you have a million people that are at the shore. And God's saying, cross the river. It makes no sense. It doesn't seem like it's possible. And you may be facing things like that in your life today. I know it's kind of the same thing about Jesus calming the storm last week, but I really believe God's calling us to stay encouraged. Not just a concept of things. Like Romans chapter 13 is about obeying the government. I don't think that's applicable right now in the season of this fellowship. I really wrestled with that. And I was like, ugh, I don't, it just doesn't feel right, Lord. And so I see this and I see that we're in a place, maybe personally, maybe as a fellowship, and God's calling us to take steps of faith that sometimes don't make sense. And we don't put our eyes on the circumstances and we don't put our eyes on what's ahead of us necessarily. Yes, we're to calculate things. Yes, we're to have wisdom. Yes, we're to wait upon the Lord we see the character that God is placing inside Joshua is that, Joshua, you need to be 100% for me on every front of your life so that you can actually take the steps that I'm calling you so that you can lead these people. We all lead people. If we're parents, if we have a job, if we, we're all leading somebody. But are our eyes on Jesus and is our life and our mind, are we really meditating on the word? You know, my, sometimes my propensity is like, you know, and I shared this with the youth ministry on Thursday. It's like, I, can, I, I have a past of dealing with depression, honestly. And so when things get overwhelming for me sometimes and I don't see the outcome and all this pressure on me to make the right decision, I'm pulled all these different directions. I just want to stay in bed. You know, the enemy can come in like a flood and just squishes down, man. And all these thoughts that aren't what Jesus says about me. So I call somebody and I was encouraged. And they actually quoted this in Joshua. And so it's like, use the word of God in our life. It needs to be where our foundation is. It needs to be where our foundation is. And I leave this church and I go home and I listen to my sermon last week and I'm crying like a baby. Because it's real. I don't just get up here and just speak things and then walk away from it. You know, the best pastors, the best shepherds will actually be in the pen with the sheep. They will share with you what God's doing in their life personally so that you guys can relate. Like, this isn't me speaking at you. This is us together sitting at God's feet, being encouraged by him. I love you. Sorry, Gina. My wife's serving in children's ministry because our kids director and their family are in Florida for two weeks. So um, our family, we wear many hats. And no, I'm going to give them away. <laughs> I don't want all these hats anymore. It's been three years. Just kidding. Anyway, so it's amazing what we see that God is, is, is telling Joshua, look, and in verse 9, have I not commanded you? And it's fascinating. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. This is a commandment. It wasn't an option. When God, when we have the word and the hope of Jesus and the solidity of our future being in heaven, God is commanding us to have hope in that. And God's commanding Joshua, look, be strong and of good courage. It's like, it's like the Lord took everything he said and just threw it all at once back at him. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, this isn't the context of that God's with all of us if we're not serving God. Remember, this is God's person. If Jesus is in us, we are his. Scripture says that if you aren't for him, you're against him. There's no gray area. 
Now, yes, God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son. Yes, that is an all-encompassing statement for the whole world. But that doesn't mean that wherever anyone goes, God is with them. God opposes the proud and the wicked. He's not with them. His wrath is upon them. In fact, until we know Jesus personally, we literally are standing supernaturally with God's wrath against us. It's Jesus that removes that. It's Jesus that changes that. It's by his stripes that we're healed. Isaiah 53 speaks of that. And so I love that in verse 9. Such encouragement God gave to Joshua and such encouragement we can have as well from the Lord today. I need encouragement from the Lord. I don't know about you guys. And then now we're going to go to Joshua 3 and we see the crossing of the Jordan River. One, verse 1 and 2, then Joshua rose early in the morning and, and they set out from Acacia, from, from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. I did that backwards. So it's fascinating how we see here, they all were at the bank of the Jordan. What in the world was going to happen now? It was impossible for all of Israel to, for, to forge a river. The thoughts and the anticipation going through the leadership's minds and all the people's minds as well, they were all on the cusp of something amazing. For three days, they were there. And then we see in verse three through four, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, now it's interesting, who commanded the people? Joshua, the leadership did. See, the leadership was with the Lord. The Lord was speaking to them, encouraging them, and then they spoke to the people. It's, it's safe to say that Joshua was in prayer, was totally submitted, and he spoke out what was going to happen. So it says, when we see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Verse 3 and 4 is quite fascinating. There's some great things in here that we need to to, 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 to take a look at. Um, where it says the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, I'm sorry, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, this is God going before them, okay? The Ark of the Covenant was a, have you, got, have you guys seen it? It, it was a, a, gold, a box made of, of wood and it was covered in gold and it had cherubim on it and it had the tablets in it and it had other articles in it and it was in the Holy of Holies in the meeting tent and the Shekinah glory of God would be on it. And, it, and it. and it was always hidden from the people. The priest, the high priest would only be the one that could be in its presence. If his life wasn't right, he would, be, he would die on the spot. But here we see the ark being presented publicly to all of the people. Why? So that they could see that God was moving them this is symbolic to Jesus in our life. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant for us. We're not Israelites, and that, that's an Old Testament thing. And we'll get into the symbolism of, of that pertaining to Christ at the end of this message. But here they were all at the bank, and, 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 and this is God going before them. They were to keep their, their, their distance, 2,000 cubits, and you're like, well, what's a cubit? A cubit is about the length of your forearm. It was a general measurement. <clears throat> and this distance would have been more than half a mile. So around over half a mile between the ark and the Levites carrying it, the priests and the people, okay? Now, why is it such a distance? Well, one, um, it's, it's, it's good to say maybe that the, the, the one reason was for reverence, out of reverence. We need to have reverence for the Lord, and the second thing, it's pretty practical, actually. Uh, so they could keep their eye on the ark. 
so they could keep their eye on God leading them. The ark, keep their eye on the ark and know the way that they were to travel. Just as the Israelites kept the ark of the covenant in view and did not go ahead of it. Okay, they didn't run ahead. How many of us do that, right? We, God's moving us and we want to run ahead. I feel that way right now. I have to be extremely reserved with what's going on with our fellowship. I want to jump on this or go here or go there, or do these things pertaining to our move. And I have to be very, very, very careful as we do in our own personal lives. We don't want to get ahead of the Lord. And so the ark was in front of them so that they wouldn't get ahead of it and so that they could see where they needed to go. How is that also in our lives? We need to pace ourselves or slow ourselves down in such a way so that we could see how God's leading us. Today, we do that by reading the word daily, meditating on it, praying, inviting other people into our life that we trust, that we know are walking with Jesus to have accountability in our lives. That happened yesterday at the men's group. Don't nudge your husband if he didn't go. Accountability is important. We can't do this on our own. And so we see that the ark was out in front so that they knew where they could go. We're to keep our eyes on the Lord. We're to keep our eyes on Jesus and not get ahead of him. Keeping our eyes on him so that we can know the way in which he wants us to live and act in our lives. It's so important. When I take my eyes off the Lord, I am so in my flesh. I don't know about you. And it's a daily thing. Sometimes it's moment by moment. And so the Israelites were at this cusp. They're at this turning point. They're, they're, they're at the, this river. <clears throat> Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. See, this was a spiritual thing that was happening. Our walk with God is spiritual, okay? We can't, our, our, our strength in the Lord is not attending church or giving to the church or all those things physically. It's, it's a spiritual thing. The word of God is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when we read it, it cuts to our soul and it ministers to us and it divides the things in our life that need to be revealed and laid down and it encourages us in the areas that we need to be encouraged in. So Jesus is telling them, hey, you guys need to sanctify yourself. You need to make sure that you are set apart for this moment. That's what that word sanctify means. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. <clears throat> so they took the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now the Lord's speaking to Joshua. This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This is a supernatural thing that God promised to Joshua. Could you imagine the weight on Joshua? All of these things that are happening, they're at this river and God's just doing this download into his soul. I'm exalting you, not for pride, not for prosperity, not for selfish gain, but so that the people of Israel would know that God is with Joshua and that God is with them. This isn't about the personhood of Joshua being lifted up. This is about God's people being led by the Lord. We need to be praying as well in our own lives that we would be led in such a way that we have confidence in what God is doing in our lives. Sorry, I lost my place here. So God continuing to encourage Joshua. In this process they were in, this would be a, taking a huge step of faith, leading God's people into a river to cross over it into the promised land. There was no bridge. There was no like, hey, we're going to have this automatic bridge that's going to go over, you know, we're going to throw some rafts out there. That, none of that. Total step of faith. We see in verses 8 through 11 through 13, sorry, you shall command the priest 
who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of, jo of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So God continuing to speak to Joshua, telling him, So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you. It's amazing. Why? So that they know that the true and living God is among them. I don't know about you, but I need to know that the true and living God is among me. We need to have an experiential, real relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about praying in tongues out loud or prophesying over people. I mean, I need God to be in the nitty gritty of who I am inside. Because that's the hard part. It's easy to act outside here, but it's difficult for me to, 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 to have the Lord in my life in such a way that it dictates how I operate. And so we need to be that way. We need our relationship with God needs to be in such a way that it dictates that he is the Lord of our life. And then people see that the true and living God is among us. God gets all the glory. He's the one who demands glory. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail, listen, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. So the enemies, those that are in the land of Canaan, the giants, quote unquote, that there was a bad report 40 years before. And if you read Joshua chapter two, it's so amazing that God had placed fear into their enemies already because the word had gotten out about what happened in Egypt. Trust the Lord with your life. In areas of your life that you have a hard time trusting him, just tell him, I have a hard time, Lord. Will you please strengthen me? Please help me to have courage. Help me to be strong. Help me to keep my eyes on you. That's why I pray, Lord, give, give, give us a desire for your word. Help us to read it. Help us to slow down so that we can actually see where you're moving. I, my old pastor in Modesto would always say, Lord, slow us down that we could see your fingerprints. So needed. And we see here this just amazing situation that God's people are are in the middle of such grace and, and faithfulness of the Lord in spite of them. Verse 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. I love that it says the ark of the covenant, not just a box, but the covenant, this promise of the Lord of all the earth. He, Jesus is the Lord of all the earth. The Holy Spirit is God the Father. He is the, they're the Lord of all of the earth, not just the Christian earth, the whole earth. They are the Lord. God's the Lord of all the earth. And so that's who's crossing over before you into the Jordan. It's amazing. We need to follow the Lord in our life. Now, therefore, take yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, again, speaking who God is, I love that, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. It's quite amazing. You're like, what? What do you mean stand as a heap? You have to remember that Joshua spoke not out of his own words or his own understanding. I mentioned this before. It's safe to say that he had been in God's word, that he had been in prayer, that he was speaking in the confidence of the Lord. He was God's leader for God's people, just as Moses was. God was going before them into the midst of the plan, into the Jordan, into the place where they were to need to, to be trusting God and have great faith in him. See, like I mentioned, in our lives and in this, this was a spiritual battle, not a physical one. God was in it with them and their eyes were affixed on him, okay? It's so important not to miss that. This is such a great account of God's people in spite of them 
entering into the promised land and God placing himself before them so that they would be able to see him leading them. And that's so important in our lives today. And it's important in our lives as a fellowship and where God has us moving next. In closing the last few verses here, so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark, bore being carrying, dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, <clears throat> the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who, broke the, who, bo- broke, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So I wanted to give a little bit of context of the river of Jordan, okay? Um, in my research on the Jordan River, I found this. How wide and deep was the Jordan River? The Jordan River flows about 60 miles between the Sea of Galilee, which we read last week pertaining to Jesus' little trip with his disciples, and the Dead Sea, okay? The river drops 610 feet down to nearly 1,300 feet. Since Joshua 3.15 indicates that the Jordan River was overflowing its banks due to the harvest season, this means the flood waters would have greatly complicated Israel's crossing as explained by Richard S. Hess and Todd Bolin. Richard S. Hess states that the Jordan River was wider at the place Israel crossed the Jordan River than normal. It was than the normal 90 to 100 feet. So it was wider than that at the time. The text, the text explains that this event took place a great distance away south of the town of Adam, which we saw in verse 16. The time was in the spring of the year when the river is in its flood stage and therefore wider than its normal width of 90 to 100 feet and deeper than its average feet of three to 10 feet. The southern flow of the Jordan is turbulent. Um, the Ezor surrounds it. This is a thicket that makes the river itself difficult to reach and that in ancient times contained wild animals. Todd Bolin, author of biblicalplaces.com, writes the following. In 1854, an expert swimmer was unable to make it across the river near Jericho because the river was too wide and the current too strong. How wide was the Jordan River when the Israelites crossed the river? We do not know since the book of Joshua does not tell us. The depth of the river was probably deeper since sediment would have moved down the river since the time Israel crossed the river. The crossing of the turbulent river at flood stage would have been difficult and was most likely greater than 100 feet wide and greater than 10 feet deep. So, to put into context, what God was calling them to do in their own sense was impossible. It it didn't make any sense at all. Um, For me, as, you know, the one who's involved in the nitty-gritty of finding a place for our church and looking at the money, and it's just a fact, you know, people in church, money? What? But, but it's just money's needed to do things. You know, money pays electricity. It, it pays for coffee. You know, if, if, if a microphone breaks or whatever, you know. Um, sometimes, you know, gas and cars to go do things. Um, youth ministry, you know. We, th- we've really taken the finances of this fellowship and used it for ministry. Um, and so it's easy to take a look at things from my perspective and the, and, and, and the elder board's perspective and to say, God, we don't know what's happening. You know, how, how are we going to do this? If we look at just the money, it's impossible. If we look at the need, that's not impossible for me because I think that we're ready to move. I think that we've outgrown this facility. Uh, historically in church plants, 80% capacity, people start feeling uncomfortable. You have to go to two services. Um, 
And this isn't about growing this place in numbers of people. If you've known me long enough, I don't really care about that, okay? I care about people being transformed by the power of Jesus so that they can be sent out and do ministry. Um, I pray that all of you, the Lord starts working on your heart. God, how do you want me to serve here in the context of this fellowship? Some of you have stepped up and asked, you know? So I pray that that would be something in your lives as well. Um, and so we're, our fellowship, we're at a standstill, not a standstill. We're at a point of stepping out in faith to see what God wants to do, okay? I have a meeting with the guy who owns that church building over on uh, Dan Avenue. Um, that is a, I, I don't see it as a reality unless, some, unless somebody just all of a sudden gifts this fellowship with uh, unreal money. Um, and that, that, I'm not, that is not a ploy for any of you here, okay, at all, please. Um, I don't ever want anybody to give unless God's telling them, and it has to be with joy. God's word says we're to, be give, we're to give joyfully. Um, and so, um, so that place, I'll tell you, um, is 30 cents a square foot. It's a 12,000 square foot building. That's $3,500 a month. That's not including any maintenance or insurance, okay? Realistically, it's probably five to seven grand a month. After, I don't know what utilities would be. Utilities here is three to 600 a month. Um, so there's, there's things over there that are just expensive. Um, could we do tons of great things? Yeah, every church in this community has looked at it. Um, I connected with a church that uh, has planted recently out here. They were looking at buying it for 1.3 million. They backed out. It needs a lot for somebody to buy it. So I don't know what the nuts and bolts are of it. I don't know if it's something that we could just move in and not have to pay seven grand a month. I don't know. So that's not off the table, but it's not really an option that I see straightforward right now. Um, the next option is uh, setting up and tearing down at a school. Um, the high school is more expensive than the junior high. Um, the high school is also off the beaten path. Um, the elementary schools in this community, a lot of them have older cafeterias. I know that Art and I were talking about Cedar Lane has a newer facility. The junior high is right here on Powerline Road. It would give great exposure. Um, you know, we don't want to hide the church under a basket. Um, we want people to know that Jesus is available, right? And we want people to hear the word and be taught the word. And so, um, that's in play right now. So both the high school and the junior high are in play, okay? Um, the finances for either of those, I don't know if we could afford either. So, you know, we talk, I talk with our financial group and it's like, we only have this. I'm like, well, we, we really have nothing pertaining to being able to make a decision financially. In ministry, our decisions aren't always done financially, okay? We, God puts us in a place of taking steps of faith. And I'm not talking about blind faith either. God did close the door for another option instantly. I had a conversation with somebody who said, that's out. No way, we're not going there, okay? And so, so the, I believe that God's gonna open the door that needs to be opened and he's gonna close the door that needs to be closed and he's gonna provide the funding that's needed for any of those doors, okay? Um, again, when we came to this ministry location here, I had, to, I, I, I had to wrestle with the Lord and have a conversation with our elders to buy a $300 barbecue, okay? We still have it, praise the Lord. We can cook like 100 hamburgers on it. But it was the first thing this ministry bought. And so we're always very prudent. We're very prayerful. We're not doing things out of line in regards to our finances. We're not gonna do that. But we're also not gonna not have a place to have fellowship in if God's calling us to take a step of faith, Okay? But we're also not going to be presumptuous on those things either. God has to be very specific about where we're going, okay? So keep praying. God's going to answer the doors. If I even meet with the owner at Dan Avenue, I will know. I will know if God, we will know if that's where we need to be. And if it's not, we don't need to be there. I don't care if that was the golden ticket to being the most successful ministry in the world. If God doesn't want us there, we don't want it. Because that means God's keeping us from maybe a pitfall or a hindrance. Maybe God wants us as a fellowship to grow more in being dependent upon him to serve him. Maybe we're in a place of too much comfort. I don't know. But when 
if, if we do end up going to a school, um, the junior high is probably 2,500 a month. The cool thing is, is that they're responsible for the maintenance. Um, our insurance isn't as expensive. We're not renting a building. It's a, it's a, it's a smaller space. I mean, um, we're not in a lease. It's month to month. Um, it, it could build relationships in the community that we couldn't build if we're at a building. Um, it definitely will cause us to have to grow in serving the Lord. You know, it won't be like, hey, where's my coffee? You might be the person that actually is in charge of making the coffee. Um, you know, it won't be, hey, I'm putting my kids in kids ministry. You might be the one setting up the kids ministry in a classroom. There was that noise again, huh? And so God has provided so much. I mean, we have two sound systems. We have two different sets of chairs. And so, and so I, I, I know God, we have a trailer already that's been sitting here that was donated by another church three years ago. I've always looked at it kind of reluctant going, oh, Lord, really? Are we really going to use that to set up and tear down one day? I don't know. Because we did it first and then we came here. And so we have some things in place, okay? And I just want to encourage you guys, be praying, be willing, be available, and be excited to serve God. Okay, be excited. You know, like I said a couple of weeks, like last week, hey, it's all exciting for the first month or two. And then it's like, well, I got a baseball game and, you know, it can't be, yeah, we have a Suburban, but I don't want to be the one pulling the trailer with everything in it. I need to be dedicated to studying this so that I have some food to feed you guys. My wife is doing, we do so much. We work at our house. We work here. We close our computers at midnight sometimes. My wife homeschools. She's in charge of the counties, the two counties for Child Evangelism Fellowship now. There's a lot on our plate. But that doesn't mean that we're going to quit, you know. And so I'm kind of using this as like an encouragement. Be praying. Because I don't see Dan Avenue where, where we could set up and just put these chairs there and all this stuff and not have a storage facility and all these things. I don't see that as a reality. But I'm not closing the door on that. I still want to go look at it. You know, I still, I'm still going to walk to whatever door God's allowing me to walk through because then I'll know that it's closed or not. Okay, we still don't have an answer from the schools. You know, they're in process. The principal has to agree to it. Um, and so, but I, I'm encouraged that God is, God is active and, he, and I've watched him and I've watched the Lord use you guys and I've watched the Lord um, it, use this ministry in the community and he's not done. And so just like the Israelites may have experienced some bumps in the road, now they're at this place of crossing the Jordan and it, the river's wide and they don't understand what's gonna happen and they can't figure out, but God is leading the leadership because they're submitted to the Lord. And I just wanna tell you, our leadership is submitted to the Lord in such a way where we tell people, no, that's not happening. And if we're in disagreement, we pray, okay? And, and we don't have yes men on our, on our board, okay? We, have, uh, we, we, we work in solidarity with each other and, and we are led we strive to be led according to the Holy Spirit and according to his word, okay? And that's why we see God's faithfulness through this ministry, okay? And so I'm really encouraged through this section of scripture and how the Lord uses this, even in the Old Testament, to remind us that he has a plan. Um, the facts are these. I'm gonna close with this and then we'll be done. Uh, I'm gonna read some from um, David Guzik in a minute. I loved how he closed out this section of scripture. But the facts are these. In some miraculous way, regardless of the depth, regardless of anything of the river, in some miraculous way, God stopped the waters of the Jordan River. Some think that maybe it could have been an earthquake that, that created this, but either way, it did happen. And it was a miracle of God. The priests that bore the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry ground. Dry ground. It wasn't mushy. Oh, there was no water on the ground. It was dry. The foundation was firm. Whenever we follow God in his path and plan, the foundation is firm. I think about the scripture where it talks about building your house upon the sand or upon the rock. 
We want the foundation of our life. We want the foundation of this ministry to be founded on the rock of Jesus, on the firm foundation. God's word says that his word never turns back void. We can trust it when we read it and speak it, that it does its work. God's word says that not even the gates of hell will prevail against his church. It's not a building, it's his people. So we can trust in those things. And so we see here that the priests of the Ark of the Covenant, they stood on dry ground, just like the miracle of the Red Sea that took place over 40 years before this, God's people experienced the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, fleeing from captivity of the Egyptians. And now they're experiencing the miracle of coming into the promised land with the parting of the river. Commentator David Guzik says this, how did it happen? What was the key to this amazing miracle? Notice the centrality, and he mentions this, of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The Ark is referred to 14 times in these 17 verses in Daniel chapter 3. This was all about the trust of Joshua, the priests and Israel, and Israel had in the God they knew was present with them. Do you know that God is with you presently? Why? Because his word says that he is. The Ark of the Covenant cleared the way for Israel. This was a spiritual work, not work of Israel's army corps of engineers. To face such impossible challenges in our lives, we must look to Jesus, who is our Joshua. That was another name for Jesus, Joshua. He always leads us. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Ark. He is Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Matthew 1.23 says this, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus has cleared the way to victory over all things, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it at the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 through 15 says this, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus triumphed over all of it. He is who we can trust. David Guzik continues, says, as we keep our eyes on and follow behind our victorious Jesus, the river of impossibility will dry up. To the cynic who wonders if they haven't tried, to the cynic who wonders if they haven't tried that and been disappointed, we must ask them, have you really tried this? Have you truly walked according to God's word? trusted in Jesus, and then been disappointed? Perhaps your disappointment is actually in your flesh. God doesn't disappoint. He is faithful. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, I know that this week you encouraged me so much, Lord, even in my frustration and, and in my, my doubt and in my distress, Lord, and, and all of the things that go on in my silly brain. And yet your word stands true and rings out loudly above all of those voices that are lies. And so, Lord, I pray that we would trust you. I pray that we would hold on to you, Lord, that the areas of our lives, God, that are so critical for us to trust you and that we would let go and let you be our God. Lord, we know that you're active and alive. We know that you are for us and that you are not against us. Your word tells us that greater is he who is within us than he that is in the world. Lord, may that be a reality in our lives. May that be a reality in my life, Lord. In our coming and going, Lord. God, may we keep you included in our lives. God, it's so easy to turn to the left or to the right. It's so easy to take our eyes off of you. God, sometimes we're so conditioned to, to operate in things that you never called us to because of our pasts. Father, forgive us. 
Forgive us for doubting you. Forgive us for allowing other things to be more important in our lives than you. Help us, Jesus, to, to trust you with the things that are close to us, Lord, our family and our kids, Lord, and our finances, our loved ones. Father, just pray right now, Lord, any, any family member that is wandered away from you, you would draw them back, Lord. Any of us, Lord, that has sin in our life, God, that you're calling us to let go of it, and that we wouldn't hold on to it anymore. That we might be sanctified by you and used by you. Because, Lord, we're weak. Without you, we're nothing. Help us to come to that place, Lord, to be dependent upon you. I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you that you see them and you love them, and they are so important to you, Lord. Each and every person is a vital aspect to your kingdom, Lord, to your church. Not Metanoia, but your church. Lord, again, we lift up Israel. We pray for those that have been captured, Lord. We pray for their release. And we pray, Lord, that there would be minimal casualties with this situation. Grand scheme of things, Jesus, come quickly. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you that they would call upon the name of Jesus for he is the one who saves. We thank you for that. We praise you and give you all the glory. Just thank you, Lord. We're excited to see what you're gonna do next in this ministry. May we always be walking with you and when we don't, Lord, help us, God. Help us to confess our sins to you, Lord. Help us to be right with you. Help us in our thinking, in our actions, in our attitudes. Just thank you in Jesus' name. God, you're so faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if anybody needs specific prayer for anything, um, be happy to pray with you after service. God bless you guys. Have a great day.